What's good, everyone? Coach Damien here, The Shift Method. This is going to be episode number 31 on the podcast, and this is going to be Q&A number two. Appreciate everyone who sent out some messages and uh, some questions for today. we got a handful of awesome questions, things about hypertrophy training, uh, about general advanced training protocols. So we got some cool uh, curated questions here for y'all to answer. So I'm just going to read each one, kind of give my spiel about what I think about it, and that'll be kind of summary of what we got going on today. I know I got an announcement at the end of the podcast, so you want to stay tuned to the very end to listen to that. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So question number one, this one comes from Alex. Thank you for submitting a couple questions, Alex. He asks, what would you suggest works best for hypertrophy, higher volume and reps and reserve or lower volume and reps and reserve? So when it comes to hypertrophy training, in general, right? Because there's obviously some outliers in the population that might benefit from some different training principles, but a couple of things that seem to be hallmarks if you're trying to build muscle mass, right? Increase hypertrophy. Number one is going to be training volume. Trainer vol- training volume, I kind of look at as like a multiplier of the benefit of training in terms of benefiting from getting more muscle mass. So for example, you know, you could do sets of four or five reps and do a couple of sets. And maybe if you're new to training, you'll gain some muscle mass, but there's going to come a time where because the volume, the total workload, or as we can say it, maybe sets and reps, because it's so low, the total work is so low, there's going to come a point where you're going to need to increase that overall workload. And so while other things like training intensity and targeting each muscle group at least twice is important among other factors that we'll talk about in another question. You do want to make sure that your volume is getting higher over time. And again, you can look at that at sets and reps. So can you benefit and build some muscle mass doing things like, you know, sets of five? Yeah, you can, but again, you're probably going to come to this like roadblock where you're not going to see much benefit or you're going to have to spend an an exorbitant amount of time doing those sets of five because the volume when you add it up is going to be very low. Reps and reserve is kind of like intensity. So intensity does generally need to be relatively high for most working sets. The recommendation is zero to four reps in reserve for most of your working sets. So if I had a choice between high volume reps and reserve or low volume with high reps and reserve, I'm going to want the high volume, high reps and reserve. So generally at the start of your program, intensity and volume is moderate to low. And then gradually you're ramping up those two training parameters over time, along with maintaining some other principles like sleep, nutrition, range of motion, mitigating stress, et cetera. So if I had a choice, Alex, I'm definitely looking to raise my volume and raise my intensity or decrease my reps and reserve over the span of my training program. So that's it for number one. Number two, this comes from Kyle, Lone Star Strength. So he asks, what style of programming do you use for advanced trainees? And this is a great question. So of course it definitely depends. And and that's an answer to a lot of questions, right? It depends on what's going on. Are they an athlete with specific needs? Are they just general population? Do they, their goals change, right? There are a lot of things going on. So I'll kind of answer this in a two pronged approach. I'll do general fitness and I'll do athletes for general fitness. I actually do start doing some advanced programming in the terms of if they're doing some conditioning work, most of it's probably been some general, you know, lists 
cardio on their own, or maybe they'll do some small portions of lists with me, or maybe they'll do some like, you know, supersets that get their heart rate up. But as they start getting more advanced, I'm definitely adding some more advanced style hit training where the intervals are very challenging for them. Example, we're on the assault bike. I'm doing something like, you know, 20 seconds, max effort, 20 second complete recovery. Could do a Tabata, um, something that is going to really jack their heart rate up and be very challenging where like you probably wouldn't give someone who's relatively new or hasn't worked out in a very long time, something like a Tabata or something that's very intense. Um, could they do it? Maybe, but the chance that they're going to feel like crap, maybe get sick or just feel like, I don't want to come back anymore. This guy's torturing me. It's probably going to be very high. So I usually err on the side of caution with HIIT training for most new trainees. So that's something I like to incorporate. Um, I do like also doing some more, I hate the term functional because it's so vague. It almost means nothing, but I'll call it more athletic slash activity daily living style exercises. So I started doing a lot of unilateral training. Um, and I may have some of that again for, for newbies, but I really like to emphasize it where things are loaded unevenly, like, you know, a unilateral kettlebell walking lunge where, you know, first couple of weeks, you're probably not doing, you know, walking lunges with an uneven load for someone, but someone who's advanced, I can start adding a unique loading scheme for them in which one side of the body is loaded and using a unique implement like a kettlebell. Um, I will include some plyometrics. So things like box jumps, um, skiers going side to side. I like to use medicine balls as well. Great way to get the heart rate up. Great way to do upper body plyometrics and provide a new fun stimulus for them. Again, can you use it with, you know, beginner population? Absolutely. But you might have to modify them quite a bit. So that way their heart rate doesn't get too jacked. They don't feel like, you know, too crappy or whatever. And so I really like to push the envelope with their, you know, resistance training using some upper and lower body plyometrics. Um, those are kind of the main things for the general population athletes a little bit different. Now, of course, if I get someone like a student athlete who is like, you know, looking to just get into sports, right? Maybe they are an athletic kid and they're kind of, you know, they've played different sports growing up and now they're like, Hey, I'm really trying to get on like a team or like, I just got onto a team and I need to really, you know, advance my training so that I can keep up with my sport. If they're new, first and foremost, I'm doing kind of like a general fitness periodization program for them. And again, it's going to depend where they are in their season. Like, are they in season right now? Obviously the training has to look different because I don't want them to be sore every day for practice or when they have a game, but overall, I'm just trying to help them get stronger and get into good condition for their sport. Um, so it's going to be kind of a general fitness with a slight spin towards the movements of their sport, whether it's football, basketball, et cetera. So new athlete kind of looks like an advanced general fitness client where you're doing general strength and general conditioning. As they get more advanced and, you know, depending on the sport, I might tweak this a little bit, but there's a few things in sports that are pretty common, right? Number one is speed, speed kills in sport, you know, football, basketball, baseball, you know, you being just a hair faster than the next guy or gal on the team or again, the team that you're playing against can make all the difference. So definitely looking at the speed needs of the sport, whether it's linear, curve linear, like if you're rounding bases in baseball, do you need to run backwards fast like a defensive back in football? Um, do you need lateral speed like tennis and basketball? So I'm definitely looking at what are the speed or the high-end speed requirements of the sport and finding ways to increase it, work on the mechanics that make sense for the athlete's body and abilities and try and advance that. Power is another thing. So hopefully I've taken the time to build some good strength for them and basic lifts that mimic within the sport, things like some kind of squat, hinge, push, pull, rotation, et cetera. 
Now I want them to be able to express that strength quickly, which is power. Uh, kind of falls in the speed category for certain things. And hopefully that translates well to their speed development, doing these more power-based exercises, but definitely working on power in the resistance training along with continuing to develop their strength is going to be important. So that kind of separates the general population and you know power and speed for the athletic population. Um, also for athletes, I like to incorporate some or a lot of reactive drills. Again, this depends on the sport and what it has, but you know, basketball being able to react to an opponent, um, football, same thing. So I might throw in some reactive drills to keep it fun, keep it exciting, uh, whether that's a reactive sprint or a reactive jump or a reactive change of direction off a cone drill, whatever it may be. Having some unpredictable reactionary drills can really challenge them cognitively, but also challenge them you know, neuromuscularly to just get better for their sport. So those are kind of the distinctions I like to make for advanced trainees. Next one we got from James and James, I apologize. I'm going to try and summarize the question best that you asked it. So I believe what you're asking is, is it better to fast or to eat to help kickstart your metabolism? So metabolism overall is kind of the summation of the processes or the chemical processes that go on in your body. Um, you can get a somewhat accurate understanding of your metabolism doing various tests. You can go online and Google or guess your metabolism based on your age, your height, et cetera. Um, the quality of muscle mass on your body and your body fat can somewhat determine it as well. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, in terms of dietary patterns and how that affects your metabolism, there's some theory where people might think about looking at like a, you know, if I'm fasting to do cardio, right? Some people think like, oh, well, maybe I'll put you in a better fat burning stage if I'm fasted when I go to work out versus not. Or some people might say, well, no, if you eat more frequently, it's going to increase your metabolism. I would say overall, I wouldn't worry too much about how you're going to hijack or kickstart your metabolism. Do I need to eat more? Do I need to eat less? Do I need to eat more frequently, less frequently? Do I need a window, et cetera? If there is a difference in metabolism on frequency or how much or how little you eat, I would say that amount that changes your metabolism is probably minimal. Meaning like, let's say, you know, if you eat more frequently, like let's say you eat every three to four hours and you look at it over the span of the day, like how much more calories do you burn by eating that much more food through like the thermic effect of food? Maybe it's 15 or 20 calories extra than if you ate three square meals a day. Is it more? Technically, yes. But does 15 to 20 calories matter in the grand scheme of things? If maybe you have like weight loss or body composition goals, I'd say no. I would say it'd be better to like regulate the quality of your food, get in more exercise rather than worrying about packing enough food in the day to where you could eat three or four times uh, or every three to four hours rather. So yeah, I would say if you're worried about metabolism, my man, I wouldn't stress too much about it. I would just say, focus on the things like getting in good quality food, finding an eating schedule that works for you, because maybe you're someone who likes to fast. That's okay. As long as you're doing it in a healthy way and you feel like you're honoring your body, or if you're someone who likes the traditional, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, that's also cool. Really just honing in on getting good food, getting good quality food, you know, high protein, making sure that you're getting your fruits and veggies, lean meats, all that good stuff, a lot of water, and just making sure that you're getting some training and getting in some good exercise and you'll, you'll reach those goals. So that would be my suggestion to you. Going back to Alex again, top tips for pure hypertrophy training. In other words, how you train to get as jacked as possible. The secret we all want to know, right, Alex? <laughs> So my top tips, 
going back kind of to your original question, definitely making sure that over the course of your training program, that volume and intensity are prioritized. So making sure that when you start, you might be low to moderate on the volume and intensity side, but each week you're finding a way, you know, pending that everything is going well in your program and you don't have any setbacks like getting sick or injured, et cetera. You're manipulating one of those variables or both of them in a, in a moderate way to where you're gradually increasing those over time, volume and intensity through reps and reserve, RP, however you want to track it. Other things that I would focus on, if let's say we're just focusing on general hypertrophy, not a specific area, I would try to hit each body part at least twice a week. Three would be amazing if you could do like, you know, if you had the time to do six days a week of training and you did three uppers and three lowers, you hit each body part three times. That's awesome. In terms of like volume quality, again, we've talked about this research wise, 10 working sets per week per muscle group. And I know that might sound low to some people and maybe for some people it is, but we see in the research generally is that if you can get 10 hard working sets, right? Reps and reserves zero to four for each muscle group per week, you should see some benefit. Maybe you can go up as high as 15 to 20. Again, 20 is kind of like the upper limit outside of outliers. But if you're getting 10 for each muscle group per week, that should be a good place to start. And then you can adjust or add more volume if needed. Some other things that you can look at, you know, generally training a full range of motion for the most part seems to be beneficial. So making sure that you're, uh, let's say you're doing a bicep curl, right? You're bringing all the way up, controlling the way all the way down to your arm is straight, maintaining constant tension. You're being, uh, for the tempo, you're being explosive on the concentric, controlled on the eccentric at least two seconds to where the weight is not just being taken by gravity. You want the eccentric to, you know, actually have work done where we're not just, you know, letting ourselves relax. We want constant tension maintaining the muscle. So making sure our tempo and time under tension is taken into account. And then there's the other things, right? So when we're in the gym, we're training, we're breaking down the muscle causing micro trauma, but we also want to make sure that the actual growth recovery process is taken into account. And that's going to be in main three, three main buckets, which is going to be sleep, nutrition, and stress mitigation. So sleep, varies from person to person, but I want to get seven to nine hours of quality, good sleep. So looking into sleep hygiene, right? Are, does staying on your phone too much keep you up? Um, are you finding a right time that works for you? Are you setting alarms that make sure they don't, you know, make you feel tired when you wake up? Do you get exposure to sunlight when you get up? So that way it wakes you up gradually. Um, does caffeine maybe help you wake up a little bit better, right? Finding good practices for sleep and waking up definitely help you recover better and feel better when you wake up. Nutrition-wise, Generally, I would recommend if someone wants to gain muscle mass, you want to be in a caloric surplus. So hopefully you have a rough understanding. And again, you can track, or maybe if you have an understanding where you are, maybe you don't need to track because you eat pretty consistently. Understanding what your maintenance calories is, and then eating maybe three to 500 more so that way you can work on actually building mass because can you build some muscle mass if you maintain your caloric uh, intake? Yes, but probably at a certain point, especially if you're advanced training like you, Alex, you're probably going to need to increase your caloric intake because then your body's going to need some extra material to build muscle mass. So say you're eating, you know, roughly 3000 calories right now and your weight's staying pretty consistent wherever it's at. I would recommend, of course, speak to an RD. I'm not a doctor, yada, 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 but I would recommend to increase your intake to about 3,300 to 3,500, um, primarily, you know, carbohydrate and, uh, a protein. So that way you're getting a little extra protein in carbohydrate to help support your energy needs. And that way you have, your body has more fuel, more resources to actually now build excess muscle from what you already have. Protein wise, of course, you want that to be relatively high. 
Again, the 0.8 1.2 grams per pound of body weight seems to still be relatively resourceful, right? You definitely want to make sure not, you know, if you're weighing 200 pounds, you definitely don't want to be eating less than hundred grams of protein. You want it to be moderate to high. So that way you're supporting your goal of being able to actually uh, get enough resources to facilitate muscle protein synthesis and stress mitigation, right? We, you know, stress is a, is a good thing at times, but it, too much of it can also be detrimental to health and detrimental to our ability to recover. And it kind of affects the other thing, right? Stress can affect our eating where we don't eat enough, or maybe we overeat and don't eat the foods that would have the most nutrient dense or rich environment, or maybe has less protein and it can affect sleep where it becomes more difficult to sleep or we end up sleeping more than we would like to. And then we find ourselves feeling lethargic and tired. And then maybe we start contemplating skipping sessions. Um, so I would recommend to find ways to mitigate stress. And I usually find it helpful to do things that, you know, help reduce stress in your life. That could be engaging in social activities with friends, going out with them, spending time with them, spending time with loved ones or significant other, um, doing hobbies that interest you and that make you feel good. That could be playing video games, playing sport, um, reading, whatever kind of endeavor or things that you like to do hobby-wise that help reduce your stress is going to be hugely helpful. Also on the programming side, just two other things. Number one, conditioning. Doing a little bit of conditioning is not going to kill your gains. Actually might increase your work capacity so that way your sessions can be Shorter in the sense of you don't feel gas from a set of 10 on leg press. And also just to help with some of the body composition needs, doing a little bit of cardio here and there can definitely be helpful. And also just for general fitness to be, you know, able to go up the stairs without feeling like you're dying. So definitely the cardiovascular aspect for your health. And the biggest thing, if you had to take one tip away from this, is just being consistent. You know, obviously life happens. There's going to be a day or two you might miss, but doing your best to develop discipline, develop habits to where Hey, you know, I'm not going to feel motivated or like hundred percent every time I go to the gym, but I'm going to go and put in the work, check off the box today, just because this is something that is important to me and that I'm going to do just like brushing your teeth, just like, you know, going to the bathroom, just like packing my lunch, just like whatever. It's just something that I'm doing today. So making sure that you have a consistent plan, you have everything in place to help you be consistent and you develop those habits to ultimately get the job done. So those are my tips for how to maximize the jackedness. Just a comment from Elias saying that I'm handsome. Elias, well, I appreciate that, brother. You're sexy too, my man. So, you know, just got to let you know that got a lot of good people talking about here. And I am going to bring you back for the second podcast. Um, might have to do a year in review or something like that. So stay tuned for, for that conversation. But to his more important question, of course, is creatine safe and will I bloat if I take it? So... Creatine is a dietary supplement, and it's actually, along with caffeine, one of the most studied supplements that we have on the market, and it is very safe. Um, a lot of times, the, the safety concerns come up because people are concerned with kidney health. Um, this confusion, to my understanding, and I learned this a lot from growing up and, and having a nephrologist as well as getting into some of the research on kidney disease and, and creatine, is that when you look at some markers of kidney health, there is something called creatinine. It's an excretion that typically, if I remember correctly, comes from muscle damage. So like if you work out, et cetera, it may come up in a urinary analysis. And so if you're consuming creatine, it can then get broken down in creatinine and it will come in excess in your urinary analysis. So you go to the doctor, let's say you've been you know, taking creatine for a few months and you did a piss test for whatever reason. And they're like, whoa, your creatinine levels are much higher than I thought they would for someone with healthy kidneys. It'd be good for you to tell them that you are uh, supplementing with uh, creatine supplement or having creatine supplementation rather. And then hopefully if they're 
up to the literature, they should understand, ah, okay, that's a normal process that occurs. The initial theory would be, well, because those numbers are elevated, something is wrong with the kidneys. Um, even if it's coming from the creatine, having excess creatinine must mean that it's hurting the kidneys. And that isn't necessarily true. More often than not, it's just a byproduct of the supplement and the waste product coming out in your urine. And so there's nothing really to fret about from that perspective. So otherwise healthy person, even if you have a high level of creatinine in your, in your urine, when you do a test, if you do a test, totally fine, nothing to worry about. In terms of, will I bloat if I take, I'd say most people know, but there are some anecdotal reports that people say they feel like they bloat. And this could be for a couple of reasons. Number one, creatinine does load a little bit of water in your cells, specifically your muscle cells. So sometimes it can make your muscles appear larger. It's putting some extra tension in a positive way on uh, the mus muscular unit itself. So it makes your muscles look bigger and get bigger. So it can have some impacts on hypertrophy and strength in a positive way, not just quote unquote water weight. Um, just like if you carbo loaded and you notice that maybe you look a little bit you know, more defined or you, you know, you gain a couple of pounds. Um, creatine can have a somewhat similar effect. Um, but the sensation of bloating itself, as opposed to just the visual where it might be uncomfortable, my guess is that maybe some people increase their water consumption quite a bit on creatine. Um, I know for some people, if you sell them the creatine, you, you know, you can dilute it pretty well with about a cup and a half of water, but maybe some people mix it in with an extra three to four cups of water and in, in like a shaker jug. And maybe that's more water than they otherwise would consume. And so maybe they're feeling more bloated from the excess water content. Or maybe it's one of those things where because people pick up a healthier habit, they decide to do extra things. So maybe you start this, you know, new fitness routine, this new journey, right? And so you're like, I'm all in, man. I got the gym gear. You know, I got the knee sleeves. I got the belt. I'm taking creatine and I'm changing my entire diet. Maybe because you made all these swaps in your dietary uh, pattern, your stomach is getting used to that process. So your, you know, your water intake goes up, you're consuming more vegetables, fruits. Um, maybe you're trying new foods that you haven't before. Maybe it upsets your stomach for the first week or so, and that might be normal. So understanding that bloating while anecdotally reported sometimes, I don't think it would be directly related to the creatine. I think it's more so the increase of water consumption that possibly can happen from it slash the retention. Or maybe it's because of the change in lifestyle that people might do when adopting a new healthy behavior and creatine just kind of happens to be going for the ride there. So hope that answers your question. Creatine is a great supplement. Again, it's one of the most studied and one of the safest supplements on the market. So if you're someone who's looking to get bigger, stronger, uh, or just get, or just have a supplement that's consistently to help you with those goals, it's definitely something that is safe and recommended. And that is it. So want to say thank you all for tuning in to Q&A number two. Appreciate those who sent out the questions. Really, really awesome. Uh, I'll do this again. I, I'll probably do this, like I said, every every month or so. Um, we'll keep this rolling since it seems like we get some good questions and some good uh, interactions that I can give you all for it. Um, as always, you all know where to find me. It's at the underscore shift underscore method uh, on Instagram and TikTok. You can head to shiftmethod.org if you want to cop some merch or check out some services I offer. Like I mentioned in the beginning, big announcement. January 2nd, it's National Personal Trainer Awareness Day. It's also my birthday. It's also a Monday. It's a perfect thing. It's a mix of all three. Starting that day, I will be releasing what are called custom training templates through Train Heroic. Train Heroic is the program design app that I use for writing all my programs with my clients and also for working with my online clients to give them weekly updated programs. But I realized that, you know, for time's sake and financial sake, it might not make the most sense for some people to do 
private online coaching. So what these templates are is they're an eight week long template and they're divided based on goals. Um, each of them is eight weeks long. It comes with video demonstrations. You get also some video updates from me week to week. So you understand what the plan is for the week. Um, it comes with metric tracking. So you can see what weights you used previously, estimated one rep max, uh, all that good stuff and all notes for me to kind of help you guide along the way. And it does have updates week to week to challenge you as you go through the program. The four training programs that are going to be offered initially starting January 2nd are going to be general fitness, weight loss, hypertrophy, and strength, specifically for squat, bench, and deadlift. So if you're interested in getting one of those training programs at an affordable rate, but with awesome programming and accountability measures through the Train Heroic app, that will be able for you to purchase on the Train Heroic marketplace. I'll be posting about this quite a bit over December. So you guys will be able to see, hey, where do I go about getting it? How do I get it? And to read more about each program in detail to find out which is the best for you. I'll have all the information available in the upcoming days. Just know that it is coming in a couple of weeks. As always, thank y'all so much again. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you in the next one later.